Hello and welcome to the Cinnabums. Uh, welcome. We're back with John and Luke. Um, as it always, as it always has been. <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, the Crimes of the Future, the review, and Cronenberg top five list with uh, Jake and uh, Lucas. Um, that was uh, not an episode necessarily that John and I would have done. We're not quite. We're 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 not quite Cronenberg heads like those guys. So it, it was good to. Uh, uh, switch it up like that um and uh we were saying it felt good for just an episode to come out that wasn't done by us uh for a change because we got yeah. to just sit back and watch that money come in you know from yeah. it yeah yeah we're glad uh producer jake did some some of the lifting there it's nice to not have to listen to yourself too when you're uh, putting these episodes out Sometimes I get sick of just hearing my own voice. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. There's like something about lo- lonely about promoting your own <laughs> voice. Yeah, your own voice out there all the time for sure. Yeah. Well, today we are going back to a it's kind of a classic Cinnabums topic, which is our top five first watches of the year, um, and that's yeah. not including uh, 2022 movies. Yeah, and I remember uh, back in the day, we used to do this episode because I think we were maybe a little, a lot more avid, like, like we're in this stage of discovery of yeah. movies, um, and like, uh, you know, like discovering, like, you know, new movies of any kind, um, and so we would, like, we'd we watched so much that it was necessary for us to have a top five of what we watched that wasn't, that was pre the current year. And, um, I always, uh, really enjoyed, really enjoyed it. So, and we kind of got away from that. I think maybe, um, like maybe the last year, like this year and the last year we didn't do it. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to doing it again. Uh, cause it's just fun to like recognize those things because I feel like they get lost. Like you can easily forget and um, like you can easily forget. It's like a very, you know, niche uh, topic for like a, a cinephile. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause why, why just rank the movies that came out this year that you've, uh, you know, seen for the first <laughs> well, time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, but I'm uh, yeah, I'm glad we're doing this too because I wasn't sure what my list was gonna look like until uh, I started going through my letterbox diary for the for the year, and I was like, oh yeah, this is a great movie. Yeah, yeah, just right, just re reliving all these uh, these great memories from the past six seven months. Right, um, and I remember yeah. in the past we'd be like, oh, I had to really look, and you know, you'd leave you'd leave some out. You know, like you're like, oh, I watched so many good ones that I had to leave <laughs> some out. And uh, that kind of was the case uh, for me a little bit uh, as I looked at these again, too. Um, like maybe some of the more arty ones that I watched that I five starred on Letterboxd, I'm leaving out today um, because 
like they wouldn't be necessarily as fun to talk about um on the pod you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree i have uh i have a couple on here that we've uh actually we might have talked about most of mine uh already (laughs) briefly uh just either in uh what we've seen lately you know segment or uh for sure or in a bender episode but um you know those i usually just uh ramble off quick um right right as opposed to my long uh in-depth essays that i'm going to give today on each of these (laughs) as opposed to officially ranking them yeah on a scale of one to five as opposed to etching them in stone uh of this ranking of uh the top five yeah right so Um, yeah but uh Meanwhile, though, we've watched some some movies that are more mediocre that we're going to bring up because they won't be on the list. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we can get into some of those briefly before we uh, yeah. get into the list. Um, I could start. Uh, where, where the fuck am I going to start? I watched a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, the most recent thing um, I watched that I could talk about is um, because it's uh, very catered to you. I watched, um, and actually I rewatched this, but I, I it was like I didn't remember it that well. Uh, I watched uh, Norm Macdonald, Hitler's Dog, uh, Gossip <laughs> nice. and Trickery, um, uh, mainly you know because he. Partly because he died and partly because you talk about him so often um, (laughs) on the podcast. And um, I'm not like as like, like I know a lot, you know, I know who Norm MacDonald is, but like I don't have like a, I I didn't have the idea in my brain. I'm like, oh, I have this guy's like, you know, the way he does stand up memorized or anything like Mm. that or like. I couldn't like name a bid right off my the top of my head and I felt kind of, you know, a little ashamed about that as a guy who considers himself really into comedy and so I I put on uh, this special and um I like actually remembered that I have seen this before um mm-hmm. but like definitely deserved watching again uh for sure be having having that I didn't remember it that well. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And um, I I really uh, see why he's like so important um, to you and to just um, comedy in general, um, because uh, now I do have a lot of bids memorized (laughs) in my head the way I should. Um, And uh, uh, like... Yeah, now I like understand, and I I'm 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 very obsessed with comedians who are very masterful with their material, as he is, and uh, yeah. So it was just great. I watched that um, to show that I have memorized bids. Um, I'm very, <laughs> very. I I I like. I have the timing memorized of the. You know, because I remembered this bit from seeing the special like years ago, whenever I it was, I watched it where he went like, you know, Germany again went to war with 
the world. The world. And, yeah. And you think it'd be over in five seconds, but it was actually close. Yeah. And that, so that bit, I definitely, that's one of those yeah. that I, um, I, I have that memorized now along with the bid um, where, uh, you know, like I, I did acid and then 20 years later, 30 years have passed and I didn't get high. What a jip, a big thing by the old acid companies, if you ask me. <laughs> like that's yeah, more horseshit from the from big acid yeah. companies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's like some comedians where their bids I like remember all the time. Uh, yeah. and I like to recite um if they're just that well done. And uh yeah, Norm definitely has those in spades and uh it's definitely like for me as a guy who's really into comedians who are uh kind of speaking like with a lot of um conviction and a lot of like like they're on a high tower like you know telling you this is how it is like norm is a great change of pace because yeah. he's like really doesn't give a fuck about anything and he really speaks that way but yet his material is of like a very refined like very professional like um, you know, like one of the great comedians, like mm -hmm. sort of thing. So it was like really refreshing for me. Like Norm's very refreshing for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's very well-read and intelligent and everything. Yeah. It's he... like intelligent, but like not trying to be, which I love, exactly, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I, I love how it, yeah, it's not trying to be the intelligent. Yeah. Cause some, some things are so simple too, but, and he brings up, he, he brings up like really great points uh and just like the silliest most like simple way right uh, like he has one where he's like well like where like P i can't believe people would kill themselves or something like that and he goes like you're surprised by that and like <laughs> that's like really like a dark thing to say but he puts it in a very like practical like if you're not one of those like ultra like um i don't know childishly positive adults mm. that like kind of is like honest about how life is and he's like you don't understand that like he says this specifically yeah. he's like you don't understand that life is a a shit show with nothing <laughs> but disappointment <laughs> you know what i mean like uh yeah uh, yeah it it definitely reminds me of a like a there's like a louis ck bit about suicide where he's putting it in terms of like um like of a realistic like i don't know just putting in realistic terms and not like shying away from it and not treating it as like an oh moment you know what i mean mm -hmm. like kind of humanizing it in a way which i which i i love um yeah and yeah i it's like that uh he has that bit too where it, uh, i think it was Patton oswald was talking to him and and said the worst part about this whole Bill Cosby thing is the hypocrisy. Uh, and isn't that in that special too, or is he say uh, that maybe, bit? Maybe. He might say that bit in something else, but it's uh, it's along the same lines as uh, something you brought up earlier. And uh, he keeps saying, the worst thing about this Bill Cosby thing is the hypocrisy. And, and Norm's like, I thought the worst thing about it was the raping. 
<laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like such a blunt obvious to the right, point right. joke it's the like, worst thing about it is the hypocrisy yeah it's like the rest of us are like oh yeah yeah he was yeah. a hypocrite wasn't he that's but it's like that norm, doesn't matter that's a very norm yeah. joke like for sure yeah. like he has a lot of jokes um like that um but yeah so now that i've watched that like i'm gonna watch that like one you brought up on one of our last episodes uh, mm-hmm. That's like the it's like the special in his inside and like the doc, which I'm. Is it a doc kind of or is it like so it's, like a remembering thing, like an, a roundtable interview? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a roundtable thing that um, it, just, it plays the special first. And then as he's like closing, it cuts to like the shot of watching the special on the tv and then shows the room and then it's like conan and sandler and okay all of them yeah so i'm definitely gonna watch that next um mm-hmm. uh because i'm definitely like i'm not just pretending like i definitely just got into norm mcdonald for sure um <laughs> after watching it uh yeah 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 it's, um, i've been um i mean i uh I kind of an an obsessive Norm fan to some degree, but uh, lately I've been watching uh, a lot of his uh, appearances on Letterman, just like him and Letterman. Yeah, I watched the one where it's like his last, it's Letterman's last episode um, Mm -hmm. and Norm comes on to do his like his last jokes and he gets choked up about Dave leaving. It's really nice. But even, um, but even you know all the stuff before that when he's just uh, yeah I should a, watch that guest. too yeah I should he, watch that too. Okay, I mean um, he's, David he's... Letterman has the best like just material of any like talk show host for me just like mm-hmm. of like all the interviews like it's endless uh, for David Letterman. Yeah, yeah, and Norm was similar on Conan too. Just have these like great yeah. Tr- Conan has that and, too. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you uh, glad you watched that. That's uh, yeah, or watched it again, I should say. Um, yeah, but yeah, cool. And yeah, his next his latest special was really it was really cool too. Um, but obviously, also super sad. But right, right, very worth a watch. All right. Well, I'll go with. Um, I don't think we've talked about this yet on the podcast, but um, for like two or three weeks, I heard so much about this movie and now nothing at all. But I watched um, RRR, the uh, Indian uh, movie on Netflix that is sweeping the nation. Or has. Yeah, see, I, I saw you watch that and I I don't know anything about it. Really? <laughs> so it's funny that you say it's yeah, so it's funny wow. that you say it's sweeping the nation. But I'm also, you know, I'm a little out of the loop on those things for a guy who hosts a movie podcast. So please tell me. <laughs> please tell me about it. Yeah, it's just uh, that's like an interesting observation about like how you know everybody has their own sort of perspective and world that they see through whatever they follow online or and whoever they follow online so you know that's what my vision of the world is but then i yeah then i bring up rrr to someone that they don't really know about it and yeah it's uh um yeah it's just interesting but uh yeah it's this movie on netflix this indian movie 
that is uh, about three hours long and it's this epic wow. um it's a crazy epic, yeah. like sort of it's like tarantino and spielberg and uh i guess bollywood you know next okay. it's there's a lot of intense and graphic action sequences and gore and there's also a very sweet uh friendship story uh, that goes with it too and it, so it's it's comedic and there's these incredible like adventure movie moments that would be in um uh i don't know like you know and it could be uh, relatable to like an indiana jones movie or something like that and uh and then it yeah. gets really violent apparently. yeah and it gets really violent but it's and it's all it's all intertwined and, and the very end gets very violent too um and i'd say the beginning too and just and throughout it it changes genres and um and yeah I mean, it's basically about these two uh it's about these two real life revolutionaries in india um who had never met or like done anything together but this is what the director imagined had they met and come together in some sort of way um, okay and yeah it, it's a very very dense story and it takes uh some some turns that you don't expect um so yeah i, I can't say too much but it's also can't there's tell me much more yeah yeah there's so much that happens that um <laughs> i i can't even like fully just like even give an elevator pitch on it but um it is it is an incredible experience definitely gonna be one of my favorite movies of the year um the action is so uh just crazy and unique and off the wall and um and, and there's great music in it too you know they just go into a couple different dance numbers <laughs> it's just so funny this just sounds like the most amazing movie and i don't know yeah. anything about it it's yeah, really it's incredible really... where did you watch it uh it's on netflix okay all right yeah. that... it's probably not on the ranked like of netflix is it on like their like mm. ranked thing, the bullshit rankings of what's like most popular these days because probably not anymore know, yeah right all right all right damn i gotta I'll, I'll i'll definitely watch this spielberg and tarantino-esque yeah and i don't I, i've heard a lot of people give the tarantino comparison and maybe some people would disagree on spielberg but i i feel like there's some like just the there's some blockbuster movie essence to it uh it's just like classic blockbuster movie essence to it that i think uh you could throw that throw him in there um and yeah it's really it's really funny too and uh just it's just like so seamlessly transitions between uh you know these different moods and uh <laughs> yeah it, it's hard to describe but um yeah really really uh really fun movie would have been cool to see it in the theater there were no theaters by me showing it but i've heard of other people seeing it i'm sure around la or new york right but, uh yeah uh yeah so that that's rrr i can't remember what rrr stands RRR for, stands but, for. <laughs> i was about uh, to yeah. ask <laughs> but it, i think that's probably somewhat meaningless but uh yeah that's uh that's a watch from like sometime last month yeah all right well let's see how this transition goes because 
I am not about to talk about something that great necessarily. Um, I'm about to, I'm about to talk about maybe two mediocre-ish uh, <laughs> uh, family comedies from the '90s. Um, one of which you've seen. Uh, mm. I, th- I I I think I see I see here. Uh, I in back in. Uh, Back in like May, I think it was, I watched both Father of the Brides, part oh. one and two, with <laughs> Steve Martin and Diane Keaton. And this was, these are movies I wanted to watch for a little bit. Um, not just because I'm a Steve Martin head that's down to watch anything with him in it. Um, I have watched a lot of bad Steve Martin movies, really weird ones over the years, but also because this is kind of the movie that gave Nancy Myers her start. Uh, she wrote both of these films. Um, and so, yeah, these movies are very okay. Um, I will say <laughs> they are very, but I like, I don't know. They're so familiar, like the themes and so are so familiar in them that I kind of just enjoyed how basic they were. Like, Steve Martin in both movies is like just a dad who doesn't want anything to change and he is just willing to go to like weird lengths to like I don't know just like resist the change like he's just a dad that wants his life his um, home life to stay the same forever and never expected his daughter to uh um, ever like you know want to do anything different in her life and uh, just wants everything to be his always and um, like he lives like I remember like the opening of the first one he's like he's like I live in San Marino California a per uh, it has the feeling of a small town and that's just the way I like it and um, he just it just has these perfect you know just like he lives in a perfect like white picket fence house in san marino and like you know has like he runs like a his own business and he's like perfectly upper middle class and like just lives the perfect like you know like white people nice family life and it's just Mm -hmm. i don't know there's just something like so ridiculous and comforting about watching that uh, for me. Um, and the problems are just so like basic that I'm like, okay, this is just like kind of nice to watch, you know, like stakes are low. Yeah. Yeah. Very low (laughs) stakes, like very silly. Um, yeah. And like they do, like they're very nineties don't age, um, that well. Um, in a good way though for me like i like going back to stuff like that mm-hmm. um and the second film specifically it takes place where you've seen the first one right not the second one yeah just the first so the second one diane keaton and the daughter both become pregnant so steve martin that actually becomes a little is a little goofier because Steve Martin has to basically take care of both both his pregnant daughter mm. and wife, and they even end up uh, giving birth on the same day. 
And so Steve Martin's like going to different rooms. Yeah, it's like, of course, to that level of absurdity. Yeah. Like Steve Martin's going uh. from one delivery room to the next. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what a perfect situation for a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just ridiculous. And like Steve Martin even sells like their family home at one point. And then like he's like, oh, no, like. Like now my wife's having a baby too. I have to buy it back. I can't raise this baby in anything but my own home. You know, like he has a lot of intense nostalgia for his own home and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, that's really it. <laughs> that's all those movies really are. Um, but I, I kind of enjoyed them. It was a really nice comfort movie for me. Nice. Yeah. This is one where I, um, yeah, I saw later. I mean, I feel like I watched within the past couple of years. And it's one of these, like, it feels like kind of a dull 90s movie that is has, like, a big following of some sort. And I've heard, like, people in, like, my parents' generation, and I, I think I've heard, like, Carly's parents yeah. before, like, reference it and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a big, big movie I've just never seen. And then when I saw it, I just did not understand the big popularity behind it. Um, right. And yeah, and maybe it's just one, you know, there'll be plenty of those from like uh, that came out in the past few years that 10, 20 years from now will not age as well. And we'll think the same thing then, but uh, yeah, that, that's what it felt like for this was it just a very uh, dull. I feel like Steve Martin was just obviously at this point, he's a, have he's been a massive star for a couple of decades now so people will go see whatever movie he's in and it'll be popular but uh yeah, yeah. i also do like the comfort of a uh, steve martin uh 90s 2000s comedy too i uh right yeah yeah same i'm really into that stuff like anything he's in a if he's in a basic family role i like it um mm -hmm. And I also like as someone who's like, you know, still on his first year of living in uh, Southern California, I just love like that I'm learning about all the like the millions of neighborhoods that are, are <laughs> I, that there are. I kind of like watching films in one of those neighborhoods and then just learning about like the basic like privileged, like nice neighborhoods that are around there because it's just. Yeah. As you know from living in the Bay Area, it is very endless how many neighborhoods there are. And then if you're a movie buff, you kind of realize, holy shit, the amount of like my favorite movies that have taken place in the like this neighborhood or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, uh, pretty much anywhere you go is probably some somewhat been used uh it is something so it's it yeah, is it's yeah pretty interesting that just like one singular place can uh have all that uh in it yeah so yeah that, that's uh that's definitely a cool thing i remember watching uh harold and maude when we had just like recently moved to the bay area and i was like oh hey we've driven by all these places yeah it was, right it was cool. right yeah uh well nice yeah that's the father that's the father of the bride part one and two and now isn't there a new one with like Andy Garcia? There's or like something? there's like a series 
on HBO. A series. Oh my god. Uh, I believe. I believe it's a series. Um, and then, like the original is um, with Spencer Tracy, and I I, I forget mm. who it's directed by, but it's directed by someone uh, pretty iconic. Um, but it's like the original is actually like very it's it's very good. Uh, Vin, is it Vincent Minnelli? I'm trying to yeah I'm trying to find. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's Vincent Minnelli. Um, wow. And Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, actually, no. It's a Joan the Bennett. current. The current father of the bride is a. It is a uh, movie. Um, uh, the one oh, on okay. HBO Max. But yeah, they just like really do not get tired of this for some reason. Yeah. Even that, I mean, there's plenty of uh, movies that have the similar uh, scenario too. Yeah, like it's the like usually a, wedding, a you know? subplot, like a subplot of like some like anything, you know, almost yeah. everything. It's a subplot, and but yet they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we gotta base it entirely around this, like yeah, the yeah. dad not wanting his daughter to get married, like that's the interesting part yeah it's just such an old school like i just can't believe that even like in 2022 it's happening and they didn't even like try to um you know like they didn't even try to like do it like it's again a white family so they didn't even try to uh like adjust it for the times at all it's (laughs) just like another white family you know yeah well i'm sure big father of the bride fans will uh will maybe be happy to see a reboot but there's probably some people uh, who are i'm sure there's some people who are watching it yeah um but anyways that's enough that's enough with those (laughs) (laughs) uh well then you know all uh while we're staying on the topic of new movies i'll say um this this might be my last one that I'll bring up too, but uh, I know you've seen it as well. Uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah. The uh, John Mulaney, yep. Andy Samberg, Chippendale movie. And uh, yeah, I'm happy you brought this one up. Uh, I don't know if you were watching uh, Jimmy Kimmel live before this came out. Oh, when they um, guest hosted. Yes. Yeah. Because that's why I watched this, and uh, I. I have never seen such a ridiculous. I don't watch that many guest host things, but I've never seen such a ridiculous guest host thing because they just came on and like did not try at all. Mm-hmm. And there was this one moment I don't know if you remember where there it's like one of the segments of them interviewing each other about Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and Andy Samberg's like. He's like, speaking of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and like John Mulaney's like, speaking of, it's all we're doing. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> such a ridiculous thing as they're promoting this very, very mediocre film yeah. that I like. I don't even know why it exists at all, but I didn't totally hate it. But I was also like, why the fuck is this even a thing? You know. Yeah, I almost feel like this is 
Disney trying to cash in on, I don't know, like it, it seems like it's going for a little bit of like meta and like metaverse type stuff. And uh, it had a little like space jammy things in it yeah. because it just endlessly was reusing the property. Disney IPs. And, yeah. Yeah. And that really like, I don't know. I just felt the more it went on, like the more like the less it, like I realized it, it really had a purpose. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, why is this even a thing? Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a a popular movie recently that's been um, sort of catered towards kids, but uh, a lot of adults found it funny too. I don't, I don't know. There's something that's like uh, in the back of my mind is thinking that that is what sort of what they were going for, and that's why they got like Akiva Schaefer to direct it, and you know the Lonely Island guys to be behind it. Um, to try and make it like uh, uh, an edgier kids movie or something like that. Um, but right. uh, yeah, it got, I just found it to be very annoying uh, after a while. And I'll be honest, in the beginning, there were, there were parts that I thought were like funny enough. And uh, it was like, yeah, oh, this, and this I kind of, I love those two so much. So I like yeah. really was like pulling for it. And I thought like, I was like, Hey, they're great as, you know, these chipmunks right now, you know, like, and mm. I kind of think this can be okay. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. like I had, that's kind of how I thought, but it ended up being like somewhere I was like, ah, this is kind of just a waste at the moment. Yeah. I just completely lost interest about halfway through, but, but it, I was also like, you know, this is like a 90 minute movie. Like I can just make it through um right but, but i did i did think it felt longer than it was because yeah i just think i got tired of the whole shtick um and yeah i don't know i feel like uh you know the the lonely island guys like and andy samberg and john Mulaney could probably make a funny movie using this concept or whatever but i feel like nobody really cared that much or probably took it that seriously um but they knew that they would get a ton of people to to watch it because it's John Mulaney and uh, Andy Samberg. So, right. Uh, yeah. Plus Seth Rogen comes in as like a giant guy or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He's like, a, what is he like a video game character from the yeah. early 2000s? And they kept or like, they kept like making fun of like his laugh as like, they kept using yeah. his laugh yeah. as like, so I was like, all right, I get it. We all like the Rogan laugh too. But I was I also kind of enjoyed it, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but it was just like it was so stupid, and that's like kind of why I was enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It had moments that I thought were clever or funny, but um it would also I feel like beat them into the ground or just uh be a little a little obvious. But um who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe kids, kids are loving it, and uh, that's all that Disney cares about. They don't care about uh, <laughs> what we think. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I, uh, I, if you haven't seen it yet, I wouldn't necessarily recommend watching it unless you're really curious. <laughs> okay, I got like, I know you're done. I got like a couple things. Um, 
One is like, I think very here before I like do this, I gotta ask like, did you finish Obi Wan Kenobi? I haven't yet. No, you did not. All right, no. then I will speak about it more vaguely. Do you plan on finishing it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I I I watched like the first three episodes and then. Um, life got a little busy and then I forgot about it, but I'm planning on getting back into it. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I think I should just talk about it quickly cause it's worth mentioning. Um, yeah. So Obi-Wan Kenobi is like really not good, <laughs> um, which I think can be expected. Um, but specifically, uh, the finale and it's hard to talk about without getting into spoilers, but it contains some material that heavily draws at prequel nostalgia. Mm. But I think it also, mm. and I, I, and I will say, I think the finale, like it's worth getting to mm-hmm. like everything else in the show is very boring, but I think it's worth getting to this finale just to see what they at least try to do. Yeah. Um, but I will say, for those who have seen the finale and know what I'm talking about, um, I think what they do in the finale kind of undermines, as a you know, as a Star Wars person who has always had this idea on, like, what the time period is like in between the third and the fourth film. Um, it kind of contains material in the finale that kind of kind of like contradicts everything we would have thought to have happened Hmm. in that time period just to kind of have a cool and nostalgic and kind of epic scene really um Hmm, interesting and yeah and i i kind of like was i was kind of like oh my god this is crazy that this is happening as a fan but i was also like wait that wasn't like supposed to be a thing that happens like Mm -hmm. in terms of the star wars universe you know like yeah that's just uh just for me uh i i really felt that way and um it again shows goes to show that disney in the hands of disney star wars really um I don't know, like Disney really doesn't have anything new to bring to the Star Wars world other than uh, to use the property because it has it mm-hmm. and to make make really unoriginal fan fiction uh, that maybe should just be in a book or a graphic novel and shouldn't be under the Star Wars Lucasfilms logo, you know, because it really is of the quality of that, you know what I mean? And the fact that it's now grouped with everything that George Lucas has done really doesn't fit to me. Like, it's very, everything's very inauthentic and very fan service-y, just uh, like as if, like, someone who's a fan fiction writer were to write it. And And also probably worse, too, because it's Disney and it's more so like content as a committee and producer angle rather than yeah from a real 
a real authentic like writer or creator you know so it just it feels very just like like they're not willing to be super original with it but they're also trying to do what fans want just uh kind of a mix of it in that um but yeah, yeah i obi-wan kenobi i did not like um and even though i really wanted to watch it because of ewan mcgregor and it's kind of just a shame that it wasn't uh like really good at all <laughs> um because of that because i like they brought ewan mcgregor back for something that is really uh haphazardly put together for me mm. yeah it's it's just difficult to watch uh some star wars things now because it is just uh like i feel like you can you can guess everything that they're going to put into these shows like this like you can guess sort of things they'll include in obi-wan because like so much time has passed with like all these stories that and they're so popular that there's been so many theories and uh just fan theories of what would happen in these in this like time period or this time frame that it all just gets just gets so clouded and then disney is like partially just like doing exactly what all these like fans think would happen and then it's like okay well what yeah like the, what's the point like none of this is uh has any like real like narrative value to it or or anything it's just right yeah it's just showing people familiarity what they what they always want right like like familiar yeah in terms of showing them familiarity like it shows like a very I don't know, recycled like set, you know, like mm -hmm. here's like a recycled Tatooine set, something that George Lucas came up with that you love because we own it now. We own these Star Wars sets. So here's like a kind of unoriginal Star Wars set piece that isn't as cool. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just kind of really uh, sad for me that it's happening yeah. as a... Uh, as someone who grew up with them and loved them and now has seen it as genuine, it is now genuine product. Um, yeah. yeah. You know what I, uh, in the very first episode, I was already starting to sort of get turned off from it when we're introduced to little Leia. Uh, and yeah. Cause little Leia is not that gr interesting yeah. <laughs> in it either. She's not a great actress and uh, she's kind of a, one of the main characters. She's like the second probably lead in it, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Ex yeah, exactly. And um, that, so there's a moment where I don't know if, uh, if you uh, get this too, and, and maybe this is just me um, just overthinking it, but when we're first introduced to Leia and she's to little Leia and it's like her mom, adopted mom, goes in to see her and then turns around right. and it, it's not her. And it's like, oh, ha, Leia's such a little prankster. You know, she's always just like, <laughs> she's so mischievous and pulling all these pranks. Right. And she's like running off on her own. Like, he, 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 he. It's like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Was Leia really like that? Because I feel like they were almost taking Carrie Fisher's personality and attributing that to Leia because. At this point, you know, especially before she died, you know, everyone 
knew Carrie Fisher's personality is very, you know, she's very, um, uh, I don't know, straightforward and, and sarcastic. And sarcastic. Or yeah. Yeah. I guess sarcastic and yeah. Cheeky. And so they, but then when you really think about like Leia's character in the um, original trilogy and even in the new movies too, she's very much like needs to do the right thing. And like, yeah, and, very and, noble leader and stuff like that. Yeah. And here they're like, oh no, she's a little trickster. You know, it's like that. I like <laughs> you're thinking of right. Carrie Fisher, not uh the character. Yeah, Princess I don't know. Leia. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were trying to be like, oh, she's like uh yeah, she had a lot of like one liners to like Obi-Wan yeah. and stuff like that, like that are like not even that good. They're like supposed to be good for like a kid saying it, and it's just yeah, it's just really not that good. And it's like, do we really need little Leia? You know, do we really, we really didn't. No, yeah, we don't. And when she's running through the woods, this is in that first episode too, she's like running there, she's getting chased and she's running through the woods. Right, and somehow and the running... troops are not catching her <laughs> yeah. at all. And they don't even show her like doing anything that uh, cool or anything to outrun no. them. She's kind of just like running like a slow toddler would, and you're <laughs> like, how are they not catching her, man? They're like, within like arm's reach of her. They just need to stick right, their arm out. Right. And grab. Yeah, it's I. That was really hard to get past. Um, I think that's why I wasn't motivated to like uh, watch through it all faster. But uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely and... I'm too I'm too curious to not watch the rest of it though. So. Yeah. yeah no it's worth there is like the, the finale has some very like like you will be glued to it for sure but it's not good but you're you will definitely be like glued to the finale mm-hmm. um just out of gotcha. nostalgia um but yeah it's also not for good reasons like it's you know toxic like the rest of the star wars disney star wars stuff but like there are also mm-hmm. things i was noticing in the series like like there's these action set pieces that they have that are very just visually not good looking at all. And like really just, just very not memorable. Like, like a lot of like um, the prequels, for instance, even like the first two prequels, which are, are very not good, have very memorable like images in them you know like very memorable images and like um have like some um you know some cinematic value where you're like okay there's a reason these exist at least at least on this end this is being creative you know like this may be very boring and like dialogue horrible and like you don't understand like what this is but like at least you feel like this like world is authentic or something like that or like this mm-hmm. action scene is like you know something to look at but i felt like there's this one action sequence um where it's li- literally like the empire are you know trying to s- you know scope like uh smoke the rebels out of their hiding spot and i felt like the action sequence was so like pathetically like like looking like it just looked pathetic like like it was being made for kids like i guess mm-hmm. in a way yeah um yeah hmm. yeah well who knows i'm i'm sure they've already got plans for a second season um but i don't know about uh, that but like we'll see really? we'll see oh. 
Do I they? I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything. Or read I feel anything. like this is yeah. something where they end it. And like, if they have a second season, they're really um, the money yeah. blowing it out of proportion. Because like I said, um, even what they do in this, like, I think this, sh- the fact that the show exists is going against without spoiling the finale that really is going against it. Um, I feel like this show is going against the idea that Obi-Wan was supposed to be in hiding <laughs> this whole time <laughs> and living the hermit life because there really was nothing he could do. Mm. And so if they say we're to bring him for a second season, they are really going against that the whole idea of um, him and Yoda waiting, sitting patiently waiting for the Skywalker kids to grow old and like take the mantle. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. one of my big problems with not just the series, but especially um, once you finish the show, the finale, hmm. which they really go against in the finale. <laughs> have you seen the Mandalorian at all? I have not. Um, even though I have heard uh, nothing but raves from it. I, I did actually enjoy the the first season uh, of the Mandalorian, um, and I think uh, I think you you would probably like that more. Um, I know I, I think with the second season it got maybe a little too they had gotten a little too in over their heads about just feeding the beast uh, that is Star right. Wars fans. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I do think that there's. Um, there's at least reason to watch uh, the first season of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, when I worked yeah. at Benny's, I heard nothing but raves about like the, like the guys <laughs> like there, that was the show uh, they talked about. They're like, did you see the Mandalorian? Like the episode. And I was just like, wow. Like I didn't know people were so into this, <laughs> <laughs> this show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's only small details about that, that annoy me. Like the, uh, this is the way thing. There's always like a, because the, you know, the force may the force be with you and everything. Disney, I feel like with rogue one and and this one and the Mandalorian need to like include some sort of saying or, you know, philosophical thing. Um, when, when really a lot of it's meaningless, but, uh, yeah, there's only like little tiny, like nitpicky details like that, that annoy me, but I look past those and, uh, I think it's actually, uh, pretty good yeah all right yeah so our uh top top five first watches of the year uh and i'll go first and and like i said uh we have we have briefly mentioned uh a few of these on my list already but uh okay yeah but it, it's it's worth mentioning again for this uh definitive ranking um but yeah my number five uh is gonna be uh creep show uh, the George A. Romero uh, and horror anthology film from the 80s. Um, and I think we talked about this on a Bender episode, maybe, and it was good to have Jake on too, because he had seen this before. And he had he's, seen it, right. Um, seems like definitely something up his alley, too. Uh, and yeah, I love a good horror anthology. And uh, this is probably one of the better ones, if not the best horror anthology i've seen i can't think of anything that um i liked better than this um overall but 
uh yeah it, it has very unique uh creepy weird um I, I think that's what i appreciated about it the most was just the weirdness of it and uh you know it's there's a great um uh stephen king segment where stephen king is uh is most likely the uh oddest looking human i've ever seen in my life uh in <laughs> and uh and yeah I, I think um i think there's uh there's a there's a solid like idea and foundation in every one of the uh the segments in creep show uh and while there's some that i like really love and some that i think are just okay i think they're all like pretty solid when they're when my only like qualm with anthologies in general is that there's a lot of times a couple that I feel like are just a slog and you have to get through to get to um, better ones. But um, yeah, yeah. Creep show is solid all the way through. Uh, my favorite one, my favorite of the anthologies being uh, the Leslie Nielsen and uh, Ted Danson one, uh, which I don't even want to say more about it, but uh, it's uh, it takes some great, twists and turns and uh really like it um and on top of that the production design is uh is really incredible uh it looks like a lot of those great 80s horror b movies and um uh yeah and uh the editing was really really interesting too a lot of uh cool vignettes and uh um just uh designs used uh throughout uh the edit so uh, yeah, Creep Show is my number five. Yeah, I gotta bring up uh, a George Romero every now and then. I don't think we've yeah. uh, discussed his work in a while. So yeah, not much at all. Um, it's good to give him his props. And um, yeah, I, I like. I'm intrigued by this one because of like the anthology and like the ensemble of it for sure. Um, mm -hmm. the fact that it has like Ted Dance and then it has Ed Harris and Stephen King and um, just looks really interesting. So yeah, uh, I'll definitely, I'll definitely check this out one day. Yeah. It's a fun one. Uh, my number five is a film, um, a film made in 2000 uh, by Kenneth Lonergan called you can count on me. And it stars Laura Linney, Matthew Broderick, Amy Ryan, and Mark Ruffalo. Um, and it's like, this is really good. It's like base. It's one of those like down earth, like indie ish, like people just uh, like two siblings kind of reuniting. Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is a uh, kind of an eccentric drifter. They both kind of lost their parents when they were younger, and they both kind of dealt with it in different ways. He, ways he became kind of a drift drifter who's lived all over, hasn't really had much of a plan or anything going in his life. Um, he's also like had drug, I like he's done drugs and stuff like that. Laura Linney, on the other hand, has a has kind of a very together life. Has a son who she's um, very, you know, uh, obsessed, maybe a little obsessive over. And uh, one day, Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, comes back, and they kind of reunite. And they kind of she she he kind of hasn't been around in a while, so she's like, you know, where you've been? I've been like scared because you're you never call and stuff like that. And 
he starts kind of living there and uh, taking care of her son and forming a relationship there. And, um, and it ends up just kind of being a little character dynamic. She kind of starts to like do, she kind of starts to have an affair with her boss, Matthew Broderick, who's married and, you kind of see why what Mark Ruffalo is so insecure about and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, the, it, the, it's kind of, it's very like realistic on, uh, how something like this would be and, uh, like their dynamic and kind of how he's damaged and how, uh, and just kind of how, why he can't be around as much, why he kind of has to be a drifter. And um, uh, it's just a very beautiful, very down to earth movie. One that will make you, uh, may definitely make you want to cry at the end. Um, and uh, the performances that they give, especially Mark Ruff- Ruffalo's very, is fantastic. And uh, this was not one I had heard of. And so it's definitely uh, quite a gem and it was, it was an easy watch and uh uh yeah it's 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 a beautiful uh film oh wow yeah i i have not heard of this um before um but yeah kenneth lonergan i guess he's he did uh manchester by the sea too is that right yeah this is not as uh sad as that it's got a lot more (laughs) uh it's got a lot more of a heart to it for sure um but yeah definitely leaves you uh wanting to cry for sure oh, all right could go for a good cry every now and then all right <laughs> <laughs> my number four then is um a movie i just watched recently uh called good morning uh the ozu film good morning um which oh yes yes i saw uh, you is... watch this my first, jealous. my first, my uh, oh, first Ozu, yeah. Because you know, I've been listening to a lot of interviews lately with um, with Japanese Breakfast. Um, I don't know if you listen to them at all. Yeah. Um, and Michelle Zahner is talking about um, all these Ozu films that were like inspiring some some of the music that she was writing, and I was like, man, that is someone who I have been like too intimidated to start to like really get into um so i decided i like i like did a little research and was trying to figure out what was a good like entryway into ozu and yeah uh, a lot of people recommended this one so from my experience they're not even like that like bad you know what i mean like they're not like super intimidating or anything like that and no that was just my like um I, that was just like my prejudice like of yeah yeah like i perceive these to be much more i mean this is the only one right. i've seen so far but to be much more uh i guess heavy and um uh and just just require a lot of my like attention and focus um but uh yeah but good morning uh, is is a very um you know it's it's a silly uh, sort of look into um i i guess it's a i guess what it's supposed to be a little bit of you know commentary on on just modern days um obsession with consumerism and and tv and and definitely you know having this is in like a more rural 
Japanese or suburban Japanese area um, that's seeing a lot of Western influence uh, come into the picture. Uh, and these two boys, basically, it's a very simple, uh, you know, premise and everything too. These two boys really want a TV and because they love wrestling, they want to watch wrestling and they always have to go to their neighbor's house who is like, he's older and has a job and, you know, he has a TV. So they go to see mm-hmm. him. Uh, just to watch TV. So because their parents won't buy them a TV, they decide to protest and refuse to speak to them. Uh, and it's just, it's just a, uh, um, yeah, sort of a, a classic, you know, kid thing to do is to just pout and ignore your parents, not talk to them at all. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're basically doing a silent protest. Um, and yeah, and there's, there's a lot of other, uh, you know, little side things that happen just having to do with their little uh, suburb and, um, and and little gags throughout it too. Like there's, you know, just funny little um, details of a woman like on a mountain praying, but it, she's based on the perspective, it looks like she's praying directly to like the radio tower, like the TV tower, you know, like she's praying to that technology in some sort of way. Hmm. Um yeah, it's 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 really quirky um, and 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 funny and and very simple. Um, so yeah, I, I, all my like um, my preconceived notions about it went out the window, um, and it just looks really good too. It's uh, um, yeah, yeah, like for like probably like frames of inside these like classic Japanese homes oh, yeah. and the walls and what's Stuff so like great the, the color is so great yeah. too there's just like these the, there's a lot of emphasis on these like red objects or you know some uh, like a red stripe on their sweatshirt there's like red throughout it that it, it like looks really good uh um and uh i also don't know if this is in uh other ozu movies too i assume the choice was made because you're seeing a lot of this from the child's perspective so it's the cam- all the camera shots are very low uh like the, the camera's very yeah, low to the ground kind of yeah that's kind of the case i feel like it's because they're always like kneeling in those yeah i guess that's like, true rooms, yeah. right yeah yeah a lot of times they're sitting or kneeling. like it's like floor it's like floor level camera kind of like mm-hmm. i don't know kurosawa movies are like that too mm-hmm. yeah yeah so this this whole thing uh you know the the camera is always like level with um whoever's on screen i guess yeah even there's some scenes where they're in a bar and the camera is is a little bit lower but it's like you know um it's like right along with uh you know whoever's on screen at that at that point in time but yeah i thought that was that was interesting and like right away noticed how how low the camera was um all the time but yeah it was uh yeah it was really really we good. sit on chairs here in america so yeah. our medium shots are different from <laughs> yeah yeah you know eastern me- medium shots yeah exactly yeah it does seem it does seem uh different but um yeah yeah really great movie i'm uh, excited to get into uh more more ozu now and um and yeah yeah i think Good morning was a good place to start. Um, yeah, I definitely did you watch it, it in the morning. I did actually. I yeah, I watched it in the morning. There I, you go. Yeah, 
with some coffee. I was like, this is a good movie to watch in the morning. I, I just need to relax my coffee. This is good to watch in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually it's been doing that main. a lot lately. Yeah, it's in the name. Yeah. I've actually been watching a lot more movies in the morning lately. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's a good point too, because there's too many times where I'd start something late at night and, uh, and not be yeah, able you're to lazy it. at night. You're distracted. You're not going to like think as hard about it. Like yeah. usually you want to watch like some stupid shit, like to fall Mindless. asleep to. So it's kind of yep. more about that. Yeah. Yep. It's not those days anymore where I'd be like, all right, I can start now. This is perfect. I can start. One movie at six, another at eight, and another at ten. <laughs> and I'll watch three movies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those days are gone. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's my number four. Good morning. Nice. I've only seen Tokyo Story, so I still have to go down the list a little bit more myself. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have now started on my list the we've reached the uh, the canceled people segment. Oh no. This is Woody Allen. My next, my next two movies are by can are featured some canceled people. The first one is 127 hours. Um <laughs> This I watched um, a long time ago, and uh, in like February or January, and I it's one I've been told to watch. You know, you know, you've heard for so long how good 127 hours is, and uh, yeah, it is really fucking good. Um, I'm surprised like you haven't seen this even, yet. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, there was a big gap I felt like I'd had, especially since I am like a you know, I've grew up loving Franco and his work and stuff, and it's known mm. to be one of his best performances. Um, and what was funny about it is like, like I had like kind of just recently moved to LA at the time, so I was like just getting really into like, oh my god, there's so much hiking here, you know. <laughs> and I'm pretty yeah. sure the day after I watched 127 Hours, I like went hiking by myself. So, which is like terrible timing. Yeah. Um, because I was like being really cautious. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh god, like I'm, and I was like in a like kind of remote, like rocky type hike, similar to 127 hours, by myself. Like, not like as remote as this guy is in the film. Like, mm -hmm. to where like no one would be able to hear me if I was like help you know stuck like i i was right by like neighborhoods and shit you know one of those types of hikes but still a little like a little scary um yeah, yeah. and it is crazy in this film how into hiking and how reckless franco's character is in mm -hmm. this like i was also i was like this guy's out of his mind the way he's like he like runs between like the rock formations and like runs off the wall like the way he gets stuck is because he is being so stupid out yeah. there like like he is like obviously an adrenaline junkie but like he's like 
running off the walls and like going between there and i'm like what is this guy doing he has like headphones on i'm like this guy's like a fucking maniac like mm-hmm. like don't get me wrong i can see it like i get like that that like outdoorsy like exercise hiker like high myself but i would never be as like crazy as this fucking guy um but yeah, Definitely I, I think that the odds are very low for just like the average person, like you or me, hiking, uh, getting their arms stuck under a boulder like this. It's definitely higher if you're like one of these crazy, yeah, uh, crazy outdoorsy guys that uh, that do that type of stuff. But yeah, right. Like there's a scene where he first meets uh, Kate Mara and her friend, and he just kind of runs down like the hill he's on. That's like a rock hill, like incredibly steep. And you could see they're just like, you know, they're just like, what the fuck, you know, like what's this guy's deal. And I kind of have like been like that out here sometimes where I like, I'm going down a very steep hill and you know, you're like, you know, you're like being very careful. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're, your legs are shaking, your calves like hurt and from just going up already. And now you have to go down and stuff. And then I'll see a guy who's like just jogging down this really steep slope. And I'm like, what the hell? Like this guy must have grown up doing this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's insane. Uh, but like, I also get like his like extreme energy for like hell yeah i'm hiking you know like because in the modern world how can you not right Mm -hmm. um but yeah i thought like the movie was fantastic like like definitely better than i thought and especially when james franco's alone and they're looking for ways to spice up like his rapport with the audience and like they kind of do things like where he's like on a talk show ho like he's on a talk show or something like that and there's like a laugh track and like he's like I've been out here 3 days cuz he's going delirious and stuff like that and laughing like I thought that was like really good as a way to not like lighten the mood not only lighten the mood but also capture how delirious he would be and and Franco really knocks out of like knocks it out of the park um performance wise he's he's really good um and it, and it is like very you do feel like you go on this journey um by the end uh with him like when he finally gets discovered by some people and they're like wait what what is this guy's deal like he's been out here and like you've been with him this whole time, whole time and yeah. yeah and he kind of is like you know just dying um yeah pretty pretty awesome movie yeah i'll say really just crazy story uh crazy real life story too right uh, yeah and it says like at the end he's like now he always tells people where he's going you know blah yeah. blah blah like when he goes hiking and you know whatnot yeah i just i remember when that happened i was like that's one of those like freak crazy things that everybody knows about then afterwards it's not just some like local folklore or something it's uh yeah it was pretty crazy and then going hiking after 
like you did after watching this is like going swimming in the ocean after watching Jaws. Watching Jaws, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally understand the uh, the anxiety there. Uh, well, then my number three uh, is a movie that I remember uh, you had recommended on the podcast years ago, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and I finally watched it this year. It's uh, Tampopo. Nice. The ramen western. Um, <laughs> that is what it is now. Yeah. Not the spaghetti western, the ramen western. The ramen western. Um, which I've seen. I don't know if I'll keep this on my list, but I uh, just seen a lot of people talk about how it's their favorite western uh, after I had seen it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I feel like that's good enough to add it to my uh, top 20 westerns list um so so i did that but we'll see if it uh if it you're like i have a bit not. more of an authentic western list <laughs> yeah, i know than that. <laughs> i can't decide how authentic i want to be with it but uh um but yeah what a what a great movie i was um uh for some reason i just uh when it was in a period where i just wanted to eat ramen all the time and then i was like thinking about oh yeah there's that movie um that luke mentioned I've seen a little bit about now it's on HBO too, that uh, um, is about that ramen shop or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I uh, decided to catch it and really loved it. I love all the sort of uh, the little Western. Um, uh, I, I don't know what you'd call them. Western. Um, like like vignettes in between or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Where, you know, they, the, like in like between the, the the ramen prep, there's like all the like sketches. Yeah, almost yeah. the bandits show up in the saloon or whatever. But in this case, yeah, it's a yeah. ramen. Oh yeah, shop. yeah, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's like clear bad guys and and good guys and, um, and yeah, yeah. On top of that too, just like great story of this woman. Uh, you know, uh, it's a nice motivating, inspiring story of this woman starting her own ramen shop and just wanting to get better at something um through all this you know repetition and practice and uh yeah yeah that is a very very charming fun uh delightful movie um and uh yeah yeah i really loved it and i also i loved the um uh, i guess you'd call these vignettes throughout where it's the couple um sort of sexualizing food Right, right, and it's just like the weirdest things that I was not expecting at all, and yet it was like the most beautiful, like art, like weirdly I've fits ever... with the movie. Yeah, it was so, yeah, so fitting and um, definitely confusing at first, but uh, yeah, it was. I I thought that was so unique and and cool. Uh, yeah, I really really loved Tampopo, and um, I could see this one being uh um an easily like rewatchable one um when you need sort of a, a movie like this yeah i'm like a guy who's like i am more obsessed with food than i am about movies um and so like if it's like a food perfect food movie i'm like oh god this is like <laughs> perfect <laughs> you know yeah. like this is 
you know, just what I want. Yeah. And when I saw Tim Popo, I was like, where, have the, where has this been, um, you know, all my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It made me really, I did try and find other food movies after this that are like comparable in a way, comparable as in, you know, like this good, uh, this like have this much like artistic value to it while also, um, being a bit of like food porn, uh, in a way too. Yeah. I highly recommend, um, eat, drink man, woman by Ang Lee. That is, um, it's kind of about this, uh, it's about this cook, uh, who is just very meticulous about, uh, like just food and everything. And, and, uh, there's a lot of just his showing his process of making food and how, and it's a lot about family and how, um, food among the family is shared and showed to express like love, but they're not really able to express themselves the same way without it. it that is fantastic. Um, yeah, there's cool. also like, that there's like some documentaries i really got into um like there's one called like uh garlic is as good as like 10 mothers that was like that's on criterion i've heard of that one um, yeah yeah that's fantastic Wait, yes, is, that is isn't that like herzog or something isn't isn't that made by like a uh it's made by like, Le, director le blank <laughs> le oh. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why I thought her. Uh, he's a very famous uh, documentarian, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like that. That shows like people not only like cooking incredible things with garlic, but like just how garlic, like in a lot of um, different cultures, garlic is seen as uh, kind of just like great for everything in your health, and is used mm-hmm. as like healing mm-hmm. and uh, healing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, less yeah. blank. Yeah, yeah. Like you gave him a. I think it's less blank. But I I think you gave him a, like a French. Uh, Le blanc. Yeah, I was, <laughs> that, I was like, no, it can't so be cool. that. It's probably Le blanc. Le blanc. <laughs> oh yes, that's. I think the reason I thought it was Herzog is because, um, he because less blank made the documentary about the filming Herzog. of. Fitzcarraldo Herzog's movie. Oh, uh, okay. But he, okay. he made the documentary about the Herzog movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I remember gotcha. hearing about that uh, that documentary. But yeah, I want to check that out too. Yeah, that's cool. really good. Um, Cajun I- and Creole seasoning is a good one. It's like about like <laughs> the food of New Orleans and it just shows them making a bunch of seafood and stuff. That's pretty awesome. I like the, uh, I just have the eat, drink, man, woman uh, up on Letterboxd and just the picture of it, um, of them at their table with all this food set out looks really, really good. So yeah, I'll for sure watch that soon. Yeah, you can watch it and also be like, be like, oh, this is so good what I'm eating at home too, even though it's not as good at all. I'm eating like taco bell right now (laughs) (laughs) i'll just live vicariously through the movie right right pretty much 
Uh, like I've never traveled in my life, but I watch Anthony Bourdain and I know everything about every country. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know all this, the the food, the signature food of every country. Thanks I to hope that. to I hope to eat it someday. I hope <laughs> to be a part of it someday. Um. All right. So, the next um. The next one of my canceled uh, section on my top five is what you uh, predicted before. It is a Woody Allen movie. Oh, it Woody is uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors, um, which is a movie I wanted to see for a long time because, like, as I've mentioned before, you know, like you, I'm like a big fan of com- com- comedians and. I would. I watched so many interviews with comedians I respected, um, like you know Chris Rock, Louis C.K., Jerry Seinfeld, Judd Apatow, and they would all mention like they all not only like just love Woody Allen, but I would always hear over and over again how Crimes and Misdemeanors to them is one of the best films ever made, and I was like, holy shit, I gotta see that. Um, and I finally did. And this is, it has probably been like, you know, five to six years in the making that I've wanted to see this, but, uh, like it kind of starts off and I was a little like, okay, this seems like a very typical Woody Allen film to me, but as it unfolded, it definitely was one that was very unique and has a lot to say about just, um, I don't know, like modern, like just people and their like adult problems, I guess, in a very, I don't know, it's hard to explain. And just like in in a way, only like Woody Allen would be able to put it in the 70s or 80s whenever this uh, came out. Like I felt very just, um, I felt very moved by it. And I also thought it was like also had that playful humor to it um throughout and uh definitely would say this is one of the best woody allen movies i have seen um and so yeah it lived up to it lived up to the hype nice yeah i um, uh, i feel like i've heard a lot about this too and i thought i'd seen it uh but i pretty sure i confused it with manhattan murder mystery which <laughs> it sounds kind of similar to me yeah yeah i was like oh yeah i've totally seen that and then i looked that up and i was like nope it's not that and then I had to, yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was murder manhattan murder mystery but uh yeah no i'm uh i i definitely know of this woody allen movie and i remember a couple years ago uh two or three years ago getting trying to get really into woody allen movies and, and liking them um but of course being conflicted because even then there was some uh, murky water around him, but um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm excited to check this one out now. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not like anti Woody Allen. I'm not like pro Woody Allen. I'm very like in the middle mm-hmm. um, with his whole situation. I, I don't even really know that much about what's going on, but um, like there was a. Uh, there Alec Baldwin on Instagram had an Instagram live with Woody Allen 
which was very fucking weird. Two, I, like, two tuned... problematic guys. Right yes, now. <laughs> I, I watched some of it and I started it off and I'm like, this is one of the most out of touch things I've ever seen. Oh, Just man. both of their like both of them in their own way. And um, I don't think it's a like I think Woody Allen is like an incredibly um, influential director. Um, he's very much influenced like a, a lot of people I'm very into. But I don't think it's a problem that he's not making movies right now because I don't think he really has anything to say about like right now. I think he was very back then he was like the movie god. But like right Mm -hmm. now we don't really need that necessarily. There's other people doing their own Woody Allen thing. Um, Like in the interview, he's like kept just kept saying like, He's like, I don't really know about all this Facebook and technology and like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this guy, man, like, of course he's like this, you know, and 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 Alec Baldwin was saying like he said he opened it by saying like, you know, I thought that like the legalization of marijuana would lead to a whole revival of poetry in New York instead it's just a bunch of people numb on their phones and i'm just like that's such a like out of touch like weird thing to say like both of these guys are so crazy like they have no idea what yeah so it's just such a weird thing like i don't know what they were trying to accomplish by that instagram uh interview but (laughs) i tuned in for a whole maybe like minute or two and i was like this is just not worth my time that is just uh as uh the kids would call it cringe yeah that is <laughs> <laughs> so weird Before I move on from that, like, canceled segment, I feel like I should end it. I should have something intelligent to say about it. Other than that, I like those two canceled guys movies. I thought they were good. Um, I feel like there's, like, always that, like, question that people always have. Like, do you think you can separate the art from the man? Like, they always ask that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always like, I think you can i think it's kind of obvious you can mm-hmm. but it's a little gray you know it's there's just a little gray yeah. like at times like obviously you know i still like the work of um like old woody allen movies i still respect them and stuff like that and um and like bill cosby is still arguably the greatest greatest comedian that there ever was and like it's still a blueprint for everyone's like you know comedy um and you know like for instance like michael jackson right was fucking amazing um and but yet i did watch the uh leaving neverland document documentary 
which kind of has scarred my personal perception of Michael Jackson mm-hmm. uh, because of, wow, like, what a fucking creep, you know? Um, does that mean his music wasn't incredible? No, but maybe for me personally, I am now, like, I get an icky feeling when I listen to his music, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, it doesn't, like on an objective level necessarily like damaged it doesn't damage the music legacy because he still was like you know he's still like in in you know he's still objectively the goat of pop but subjectively when i throw it on it's very hard for me to not think of how fucking creepy that documentary was and how um i definitely am one of those who um, believes what happened because I don't know. I'm not like trying to go after two people who say they were victimized by like someone when they were kids. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of wrong. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, basically I'm saying like you can separate it pretty much, but it's like, yeah, it's complicated a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely complicated. That's just, that's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah but yeah and i mean i'm i i agree too I, there's uh i you know i could still enjoy some michael jackson songs but it's 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 just weird now and then there's plenty of people right. like that now where it's uh you know it's interesting watching something that someone's in and like you know kevin spacey or something and it's right yeah uh, yeah and someone who already was giving you sort of an <laughs> with uh, when it comes to him someone who was already giving you like an uneasy feeling but it right. was like, it, but it's like in a good way necessarily because it was you know because right for his characters but then uh yeah it just amplifies that even more uh so yeah yeah it's 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 weird and tricky and just the whole cancel cancel culture uh thing you know is is obviously there's good parts and bad bad parts to it but um yeah i feel like the the big ones that we can all agree on that did bad things we all uh we for you know most people i feel like uh can't uh can't hold anyone in high that high of regard anymore especially especially bill cosby um right right yeah yeah well, that's the long-winded explanation for why I have those two movies <laughs> on my top five. <laughs> All right. Well, glad we could have that clarification. <laughs> right. Rather than just like lazily leave it, you know, yeah. at least like address it in some way. All right. Well, uh, my number two then um, uh, is someone who is uncancelable. And <laughs> it's because he's an American treasure. He's America's sweetheart. It's Tom Hanks uh, and Meg Ryan, who I should say, you know, both. Yep. Joe versus the volcano. Joe versus the volcano. Both of America's sweethearts together again. Right. Um, and uh, yes, I, I talked about this a couple episodes ago, probably. Um, I think this might add a, this might have been on our uh, most recent bender. Um, but uh, yeah, even yeah. The, even the paparazzi or 
just crazy fans got Tom Hanks to cuss them out uh, recently too. And everybody came to Tom Hanks' defense. So uh, <laughs> that was nice to see. They were bothering him. Yeah. <laughs> Leave Tom alone. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Joe versus the volcano. One of my this is I, I I've I've now rewatched this uh, again since watching it uh, the first time, and it is maybe one of my favorite movies uh, ever now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, I just think it's uh, it's one that I'll definitely go back to when I need uh, need a good laugh or just just to enjoy something that's not too um, uh, mentally strenuous. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Again, you know, Joe versus the volcano is about this guy who's just burnt out at his job. He works at an anal probe factory, rectal probe factory. Um, and that just immediately from the beginning, you just see these workers walking into this rectal probe factory and just hating their life. And that song about the company store, gave my life to the company store is playing. And, um, so right away, it's it's already a little over the top and uh, and quirky and uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great rom com that also deals with a lot of um, just the you know, existential life questions and um, sort of appreciating life more and um, appreciating your time uh, on the earth and um, and yeah, in case anyone hadn't heard that episode yet or. Uh, doesn't know about this movie but it's essentially about this uh, guy Tom Hanks who um, uh, finds out that he has months to live because of this brain fog weird symptomless disease and so he decides to live it up and he quits his job goes on a spending spree and um, finally asks out this girl that he's been wanting to ask out and um, Meg, Meg Ryan plays multiple different characters throughout it and she's all very funny and charming and uh and great throughout and um then this this guy shows up at his uh door um he's like uh i think he's like a uh scientist of some sort uh who's been sort of living by these uh natives of this land of this island and every 100 years they have to sacrifice someone to the volcano uh to appease their volcano gods and uh everybody's come to their senses at this point in 1990 and nobody wants to uh sacrifice themselves so uh he asks joe if he'll do it and he, of course he accepts because he has nothing to live for and then uh yeah and it, it, it turns into very uh a very wacky adventure um type movie and uh and yeah and yeah there's a, there's a lot of great uh scenes of just humanity and 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 life affirmations that uh joe gets throughout this process uh and so it's a very it's a very inspiring uh inspiring movie and um another two is the production design is really cool and uh it's it's very much tim burton-esque um and and even the even the shots that aren't uh, the scenes that aren't in um uh, the island where they uh, eventually go to uh, even in uh, New York it's very it's very much like this is in its own uh, its own world in Joe versus the volcano so uh, yeah yeah really really love Joe versus the volcano 
and I uh, recommend anyone anyone go go and watch it on HBO Max. Yeah, as you could tell, I remembered uh, this movie just from you talking about it. So yeah. <laughs> uh, last time, and uh, I kind of remember all those details too. So, <laughs> so I'm getting, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm getting the Joe versus the volcano treatment twice. <laughs> but like, I definitely, you know, that just goes to show. Like, I really want to uh, watch it still. Like, you know, I haven't forgotten about it, and I've been meaning. I've definitely been meaning to, you know. Yeah, well, well, here's a good reminder for you or anyone out there that it's still it's right. still out there to watch. Uh, yeah, I thought I just, um, I was like caught off caught off guard by it almost. You know, it, it seems like uh, it's kind of just like a '90s rom com that has this sort of ridiculous premise to go with it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's way different than all the other Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan uh movies it's uh it's very very goofy um but in the best way and yeah yeah i i was surprised by how much it uh stuck with me and um hooked me so yeah yeah i'll i gotta i gotta check it out before it leaves because i know it will like you know before eventually I, yeah mm-hmm. you know timing's timing's the worst sometimes so yep all right, my number two is also one that you can watch on HBO Max before it leaves. Um, it's a movie I've wanted to see for a while. It's a classic American epic uh, directed by George, the great George Stevens, um, and features uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, and the legendary James Dean, his final film. It is wow. Giant. Yeah. This is a film I wanted to see for a long time, and it is, uh, it is three hours and twenty-one minutes. So wow, wow! You gotta be ready for, uh, yeah, you gotta be ambitious when you're in an ambitious mood to watch it. But here's what I will say: in comparison to say something like Gone with the Wind, which is a you know like a known American epic that is very fucking long and spans like whole people's like entire lives just like this where the actors you know like wear makeup and dye you know like wear wigs and like you see them when they're young and then they have like a family and then by the end they're like old and they're like why do you think our lives were good <laughs> you know stuff like that and uh <laughs> this is one of this is uh, i prefer this much better more than uh much more than um gone with the wind i actually like really enjoyed this i thought the length actually added to the weight of all the you know the weight of everything that uh the characters are going through um and as you see kind of uh the industry um that like is so it's kind of about uh it's it's about uh uh, Rock Hudson plays uh, Jordan Bennett Jr. and he's kind of in the cattle industry, much like in uh, Red River. Uh, he's a, so he's a rich comes from a rich man uh, family in the cattle industry, and uh, James Dean is kind of one of his employees. He ends up inheriting um, some land um, from uh, Rock Hudson's like sister 
when she dies and that land happens to have a bunch of oil on it so james dean ends up being becoming very rich um and there's kind of a conflict between him and rock hudson as like the old money and the new money um as james dean becomes like one of the like richest most famous famous men in the land um and uh Either, and then and J- I will say also James Dean is uh, he is fantastic in this movie as you would expect and it is one of the more interesting uh, um, movies by him because you kind of see him grow old and also kind of in a kind of Citizen Kane way grow kind of rich and old and alone and mm. kind of a tragic character and um, for a guy who kind of an actor who kind of is known for dying tragically, I couldn't think of a more like poetic final scene um, with James Dean than what happens in Giants. So I would definitely say, like, I, I more I I say one of the biggest reasons I watch this is for James Dean. So I would say it's worth watching just to see his final role. It's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, overall, yeah, just a, a great movie. Um, I was not really bored at all. Yes, I made breakfast during it. Yes, I probably <laughs> washed the dishes from that breakfast during it too. But, I mean, fuck, man, what do you want from me? It's three hours and 21 minutes. I'm at my home, not in a theater. Yeah. Like, you know, fucking life's, on, life's a moving. So you got to, like, yeah. you got to – you can't just sit there and – study every frame as they would say you know i'm not fucking quentin tarantino i'm not you know like i've got you know i've got my own shit going on so and you never will uh, be with that attitude luke (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah i think uh, you'd have to be insane to sit through a three and a half hour movie without at home without doing something else at some point during it Right, unless like it's crazy. Unless it it really does like it's one of your favorites and it speaks to you that much, like mm-hmm. or like it like it's or like it's Lord of the Rings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I definitely like will say I was like re- I like I remembered my experience of watching Gone with the Wind when I had COVID, and I remember how bored i was at times and i was kind of prepared for that with giant but i did not get that at all like i felt i found myself like a lot more invested and a lot more just like um i don't know i kind of just felt more like i connected with it a lot more than gone with the wind Hmm. cool uh all right well uh we've gotten to number one now uh, and my number one is uh, a movie that we had talked about maybe for a bender uh, earlier this year. Um, but it's uh, The Handmaiden, uh, the Park Chan-wook movie. Park Chan-wook, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this was, um, this was a movie that had been on my list for a while. I had, uh, ever since I saw Old Boy, uh, which was, I think, around the time that The Handmaiden came out. Uh, I'd wanted to see this. 
uh and um it definitely uh if you've seen old boy it, it definitely has very similar uh i don't know i feel like that that park chin walk has uh, definitely a signature um feel to his movies uh in ter- terms of both you know revenge and also um uh twists and uh and you know um changes in the plot that you were uh that totally not expecting and um yeah so essentially the handmaiden is just the story of this uh this con artist who hires this uh girl who's a pickpocket to help him uh seduce this heiress to this is set in 1930s uh korea when japan has occupied korea and uh he um is trying to get to seduce this um heiress of this great fortune to fall in love with him and then he will ultimately um try to prove that she's insane or something so that he can send her away uh, and then take all her money and uh so basically that you know that's the plan of the whole movie and uh i don't really want to say too much else about the plot um but that is that is the the premise that is the plan of um you know who we who we meet initially this con artist and this uh this girl who he who he hires and um it's just set in the countryside and it's just absolutely stunning and beautiful it has these like classic um you know just east asian uh architecture and uh and scenery and um uh and the 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 costumes in this movie are also very highly regarded too because they're very um just beautiful and um and it it just look everything looks really good everything was very meticulously um uh you know put together um for this and uh it's uh it's a very mysterious story it's uh it turns into a you know there's a a love story within it and uh, again it just it goes in different different routes that you uh, might not expect and it doesn't give you doesn't give you a lot of the answers uh, up front too and um and has a lot has a lot to do with um i guess voyeurism too of uh you know observing other people and sort of uh, as as an audience member you're also not quite sure as to um what everyone is planning what everyone's doing or you know what their whole what their goals are in mind so you're you're figuring it out along the way too and uh yeah, it's one of those movies that as soon as I finished watching it, I was like, I want to watch a thousand movies just like this uh, right <laughs> now too. So I think like the the very next day, I watched um, Stoker, which is another uh, Park Chan Wook movie, which is uh, his only English speaking movie, and it's actually quite different from uh, his Korean <laughs> movie. So never it, mind, I do not want to yeah. watch any more like this. Yeah, it, it was not a long say. I did. I did still like Stoker, um, and it's like a remake of uh, of Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt, but um, it was not uh, what I was looking for in terms of uh, a movie similar to like Old Boy or The Handmaiden. Um, but I, where I will say, um, you know, to not give not trying to give anything away from either of those movies, but where Old Boy, there is much darker and grimmer. Um, uh, just outlooks uh, throughout the the film. This one I feel uh, is a is extremely satisfying ending, and um, 
it, it's unexpected and, and yet at the same time very satisfying and um because because at times it, it, it teases you a little bit that maybe it won't be so uh so yeah i i really love the handmaiden and uh that's my uh number one of my top five first watches i've still yet to see a park chan woke movie um and that is also why i will never be quentin tarantino <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> just keep the it moral just keep of the building, story yeah keep building the reasons up <laughs> i also don't like feet so we're just like yeah yeah I, i'm with you there too yeah that's um that's definitely something you got to be into if you want to be tarantino yeah <laughs> it's one of the boxes you got to check right um but yeah um i've old boy is like a huge gap i have um kind of like 127 hours or something you know like it's mm-hmm. just a big cinema gap i have um yeah that's definitely what he's uh what he's most known for um but yeah but yeah there's still plenty of park gen walk that i haven't gotten to yet that i'm excited to uh get to just knowing what just knowing how much I uh, really enjoyed these. So, uh, yeah. All right. So my number one, I am just, um, you know, over the border with this one because it is a 2021 movie uh, that was on our Bummies uh, episode uh, mm. that Jake mentioned. Uh, it is the worst person in the world. Yeah, um, I uh, I had this on my list initially, and then I was like, oh, I don't know if it's too, if it's too soon. Uh, so I swept it out. Right. Yeah, but yeah, right. I'm glad you I'm glad you're bringing it up then. Yeah, so I watched this uh, last like Sunday or whatever, whenever it was, and man, is this a good one? Like it's, yeah, it's kind of like fr- like a French New Wavey movie, but like it just kind of goes to show that like those type these types of movies can just be endlessly done if you just have an an original um voice like because it is just about you know another film like i've seen a lot of films about young women who are trying to find themselves you know trying to find their place in the world and this one was just so refreshing and so good and just um, I felt like I related to a lot of it and I like, and even if I didn't, I, you know, they put me in her shoes to make me understand everything mm-hmm. that was going on. Um, yeah, I thought this was just such a fascinating and good, uh, movie. Um, yeah. 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 I, uh, um, I think I watched it maybe like when after i had watched it i i went to letterboxd and i saw that you had just watched it too and so right, we might have watched right. it like back to back days or something. i think i watched yeah it same day or whatever so, yeah yeah so it was very similar timing um and yeah yeah i'm uh i i feel like i watched this movie and i don't know if you feel the same way i feel like i watched it at like the perfect time in my life where i'm glad it came out now same same or you know same a, approaching 30 and uh still trying to you know figure out what it is uh you know uh to do to do with life and always waiting for something to happen to 
uh, spark something or, or waiting for mm-hmm. something to be over because then I'll do this. And this is what I'm looking forward to something that inevitably I'll be, uh, once that happens, be looking forward to something else. Uh, yeah, yeah, it really was like the perfect movie um i mean it could be it could i mean like it, for the day i was having especially but also like i could have watched it any time and it would have been like perfect for that time because of just like where i'm at in life right now so yeah i mm-hmm. this movie was awesome and um like and it's just like another like example of cinema being this um just this like this form that really can like connect us as humans, like from different cultures, because mm-hmm. um, what is it again, John? Is it Norway? Yeah, Nor- I was trying to think too. I think it's it's Norway or Denmark. It's one of those Scandinavian. Um, but yeah, either way, like yeah, like just to show that from different cultures, we can all relate to when we're all having the mm-hmm. same problems and we have the same wants and um you know maybe like the same complicated things in the way of those wants you know and um yeah that's like what i love about like foreign films like this like the most you know is Mm -hmm. that like we really can connect with uh, you know we can connect like that um yeah yeah no it's definitely one where i feel like as uh um I don't know, people in our in our age group, it's like feeling seen or like we're not alone and thinking, yeah, thinking right. these things. And and it was it was also a very like realistic look at this. It's not like, um, you know, she goes she goes through everything she goes through, and uh, then in the end she she finds herself and she's and it's everything's perfect and like great. It's it's very like real as she sort of comes to terms with. The realities of life and uh and everything and, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and, yeah that's yeah, kind of what it is too and it, and it doesn't end in like a way you'd expect it ends in like yeah. a realistic yeah way exactly. um and i felt like like when she she like breaks up with her boyfriend who's like says like he she was the love of his life and she feels all this she did that for very selfish um kind of minuscule reasons like that like someone does when they're not thinking as much about like um they're thinking they're not thinking about like they're thinking about like what they want now and they're not thinking about necessarily like things like death or Mm -hmm. like life ending you know what i mean and like like about like really what's important i guess you know yeah um yeah and i guess like being seen and uh feeling like you are necessarily in control like as Charles Barkley would put it, the bus driver of your own life. <laughs> Who's driving like, the bus? May- yeah. 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 He's Kevin Durant isn't driving the bus, you know, <laughs> um, like that. Nessa, that is like really not always the most important thing. Like it really isn't, you know, it's um, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I think the film has like a, a very interesting way of like showing that we're like, you know, in a way that we're selfish. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It has a lot to fucking say, man. Like I could really mm-hmm. like, like, you know, probably do a whole episode on it. It's really 
really great. Um, I thought Jake was very on point when it was his uh, favorite film of the year. Yeah, I I, I feel like if we were to uh, do an updated Bummies, that that would probably but be the winner. <laughs> randomly, right? Like it was random draw. He won, so I guess. Oh yeah, that's like, right. Because we know. all had a different one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny because like we he, you know we were like we hadn't seen so we were like oh cool <laughs> you yeah, know, okay <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to Congrats, uh, this dude. movie we don't yeah we haven't seen right. yeah i i feel like it, it would maybe be a uh, clear-cut winner um if we were to do it again um but yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you brought it up for your list because i couldn't decide whether to keep it on mine um so yeah you didn't know whether it was appropriate or not yeah it it felt it felt pretty soon but i also wanted to talk about it and i know you had seen it just before me too so i uh yeah but um yeah very very uh well done movie just uh yeah one that one that'll stick with you i know the next the next day after i had watched it i was just still thinking about it um after that and was feeling was feeling a little more motivated too so those are our top five first watches of uh 2022 yeah um i hope you are impressed <laughs> <laughs> yes if you're not impressed let us know and tell us what you've been watching what you are yeah. your top five first watches of 2022 uh what did you watch that was so much better than what we watched yeah <laughs> yeah because i'd really like to know um yeah um, i hope you um enjoyed it um i hope you enjoyed our um our complications with the new star wars movie to uh to the worst person in the world uh <laughs> um and then uh in a couple weeks we're gonna be doing uh, to quote Monty Python, something a little completely different. We're going to be talking yeah. about Star Wars, but Star Wars through the eyes of uh, Seth MacFarlane, um, which is kind of a curveball because uh, we've never talked about anything Family Guy on the show. Um, but yeah, um, Family Guy is not only uh, something I used to like watch a lot during the summer well that's really what it is it's something i used to watch a lot during the summer <laughs> no that's only um, what it is yeah that's all it is and um we're having a very uh a family guy a passionate family guy guest um coming on and he will also he will remind you of family guy and that he is a a joke machine himself. So uh, stay tuned for that.